Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to Backroom Beauty Talks. Today, I am talking with my friend Haley, the resilient hairdresser on Instagram. This conversation is the epitome of what I wanted for this podcast. I did not want to create a podcast that was just educational based. I really, really wanted to dive into the behind the scenes of stylist minds, okay? I really want it to be something where you listen to and you find value in the relatability of these real and raw conversations. This conversation with Paley is probably one of the most um vulnerable ones that I have had so far and it really really just lights me up now if you do not know the resilient hairdresser also known as Haley she is a stylist turned therapist turned stylist again and now is a coach for hairstylists. So she helps hairstylists. Um, basically, she's like therapy for stylists, okay? She helps avoid burnout. She helps set boundaries um, and all of the things. Please enjoy. If you like this conversation as much as I think you're going to, please share it on Instagram. It's super helpful to get the word out about Backroom Beauty Talks. Also, if you are so inclined, leave a review on um, iTunes. Again, enjoy, share it, tag me. Um, Shit, if you're so inclined, DM me. Let me know what you think. DM Haley. Let her know what you think. And once again, thank you so, so, so much for listening and supporting this vision that I have for this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, Haley. Welcome back to Backroom Beauty Talks. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So for everyone listening, and maybe they haven't listened to um, past episodes, tell everyone who you are. Well, I'm your friend. Yes. (laughs) I am, um, well, my business is the resilient hairdresser, but people seem to call me the resilient hairdresser, which was funny. I didn't see that coming, Um, but I embrace it. So yeah, I have a business called the resilient hairdresser and it is focused on mental health struggles of hairdressers so it's an education and coaching business and so that's what I do I spend my days coaching and running workshops and stuff like that talking on Instagram um and how I ended up doing that is I suppose is more interesting (laughs) um 
I was a hairdresser behind the, the chair for 29 years and I literally just stopped a few months ago. Um, but about 10 years ago, I basically got sick of hairdressing and burnt out and retrained as a psychotherapist. And then long story short, I got a bit sick of that. It was a bit too lonely and I ended up coming back into hairdressing. And I realized that psychotherapy was really um, useful to me as a hairdresser. It made me feel a lot more confident, a lot stronger. Clients weren't upsetting me the same. Like my resilience was better. Um, I didn't feel quite so fragile and touchy and I wasn't getting upset and stressed and burnt out the same. And so it took me a little while, but I put it together that I had something useful for other hairdressers. And so that's how the Resilient Hairdresser was born, really. I sort of thought, oh, I need to tell other hairdressers about this because it's brilliant. Useful little- is an understatement. yeah I mean it's it's been useful for me I can tell you that but you know not everyone else needs to train to be a therapist that's a long way around well that's what they have you for they have me for that I've just put it quickly into some workshops (laughs) yeah I mean really like it it's so useful I mean I think a lot of times people don't even realize they need it (laughs) you know so well I'll tell you what I mean burnout is kind of my big focus it's what I talk about mainly but I get, sometimes I'll do a little video on Instagram. I'll be talking about burnout or whatever. And people will message me and go, oh my God, I'm burnt out. I didn't know that was a thing. No. And I'm like, wow. I, I think that you know? people think that, that that's like what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to hustle, yes. quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. and then like all the time or you're not successful, but they don't realize why they're so tired and they're, you know, they're mentally just spent and it, you just and don't enjoy their job. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you start to hate it. That's what happened to me. I just started to hate it, you know, and I quit. I've done that twice, but I keep coming back. Um, and even when, you know, my back went and I had to stop, I still found a way to stay in the hair industry, which is makes me laugh really now. But one of the big things I re- I'm really interested in now is, like you said, um, people think burnout's normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I don't think it should be. I feel it's accepted in our industry, quietly accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit like, we don't talk about that. It just is. Is it quietly really don't like accepted that. though? I feel like it's pretty loudly accepted. It's I mean, like it's loudly accepted. You know, I feel it's like just you accepted. Hear... Yes, it is. Well, it's just, I, it people just assume me. that that's success. Yes. I feel like... You know, there's um, implied messages that are your thoughts as you go through hairdressing. You know, everyone has them, and particularly the older you are, the more you have, I find. But things like not taking a dinner break is success. I'm so busy, I didn't even have a lunch today. Mm -hmm. And, like, proud proud of that. Or, um, you know, it's just that squeezing people in and busy, busy, busy is the badge of honour and all of that. And it upsets me that that's accepted in our industry and we're passing it down to the next generation so one of the things I'm really passionate about is uncovering that dirty secret that we're we're burnt out and I want us to talk about it and change the culture so that that's not okay because at the moment I think you know there's this thing that well it's okay it's part and parcel of the job and I just don't think that has to be the case Well, I always say that there's hustle seasons, right? Like there's times when, Mm. like if you're opening a salon, you're obviously going to work a little harder for a little while. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing something new, you're going to work a little harder for a little while. But if it lasts too long, that's when the burnout comes. Like, I feel like you can have a hustle season 
and it doesn't have to equal to burnout. I think that I like to put time limits on things. Yes. So I was coaching, um, I was doing a course called Burnout and Boundaries just before the last lockdown opened up in the UK. And I was saying to people, I know you've got a waiting list longer than your arm and you might want to work six days a week for a while. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really frowning on you, but just choose how long you're going to do that. Don't make it open-ended. You know, if you feel you really want to do that for the first few weeks, all right, but don't do it till your list has gone. You know, let's remember that you're human and that you're just going to end up with a week off sick. So put a limit on the hustle season. Well, and I think that people think that if they do one thing, they have to do it forever. Like if I'm going to work five days a week, I'm going to (laughs) work five days a week forever. I can never cut down. And I will tell you right now for anyone listening, I stopped completely, completely. I did not do a single Mm. person's hair. I left a salon like completely for nine months, nine months. I decided to go back. I stopped in September. I remember it happening. In September, 2020. I stopped in the October. Yes. And I decided that I miss it, but I miss it kind of. I miss it to where I want to go back one day a week. (laughs) So starting um, in July, 2021, I'm going back one day a week, one day, because that's what I want to do. It's my choice. And guess what? People are booking. Like it's like, (laughs) like if you make a change, your whole world's going to end. Mm. it's so true and you know I'm a bit of a bugger for this I sometimes think when I agree to things that I have to do it forever in my head like I'm pretty sure I had a conversation with Jordan once and she was going Haley, you don't have to do it forever and it's like I forgot but I sometimes think that when I agree to something that's it yeah which is hilarious because when I'm coaching people I'll be going it's not a tattoo you can change your mind well <laughs> what okay. do you think, what do you think that is do you think it's people pleasing or do you think that it is like worried about what p- the outsiders will think if you change your mind? Because sometimes that goes through my head. Like, what are people going to think? Like, are, yeah. if I go back behind the chair one day a week, are the outsiders going to think my coaching business failed? You know what I mean? Like, yes, like, I do. do I'm, I'm trying to think why about? I think it. I think it because I think I can't flip flop. People will get annoyed. Yeah, I, that goes. Yes. Which they could, but yeah, <laughs> that goes to people pleasing, right? Like, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, like yeah. that would be their issue. Yeah, it's things like that, isn't it? If I change my schedule, people will get upset and then they'll leave because we catastrophize on the end um, and all of that stuff. But also, I imagine. So, do you think people think you failed as a coach because you're doing hair? That's what the story. Oh, you're like. like I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> no, that is, that is the story that was in my head. That was one of the yeah. reasons I was nervous to go back is because I was like, everyone's yeah. going to think I failed. Nobody said that to me, by the way. Nobody, not yeah. one person, none, like nobody. Like that yeah. was a, a fake story in my mind. Yeah. And, um, but I felt I had to like over explain myself like, oh, I'm going to go back behind the chair because blah, 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 blah. And it was the yeah. insecurity that I had and still kind of do for some odd reason. I don't know why, because it's not true. Like my coaching mm-hmm. business is doing good. Yeah. I just miss, I have an extra day now. Like things yeah. are getting easier because it's not. Well, we talked about it though, didn't we? How it's nice to sort of keep your finger in that pie yes. as well. Well, and honestly, I just 
fucking want to. Yeah. I was fantasizing about winding a perm yesterday. What is that, <laughs> that is about? one thing I will never fantasize about. I haven't done a perm yeah, since. So I haven't done a perm in at least 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't even know. I was having a conversation. I was coaching with the hairdresser who's old enough to remember perming like me. And I don't know, we were laughing about teaching people perming. And I sat and I was just thinking, oh, I'd love to wind a perm. It felt therapeutic. Yeah. Um, it's not therapeutic when you really do them because you're busy. No, I mean, but, you can you do know, if that's all you had to do all day, it'd be so nice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, so I don't ever talk, remember thinking it was fun. Let's talk about that a little bit about just being able to change your mind and being able to do essentially what works best for you. Like, what mm-hmm. are some, is there like coping mechanisms when it comes to like, um, I guess, boundaries? Would it, would that be considered like, I was thinking it was confidence and self-esteem as well. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago, um, in air quotes, a good friend of mine said to me once, you never stick to anything, Hayley. And I remember being so upset about this because I just thought, that's just not true. I, I've done loads of things that I've stuck to. And then I thought about it and I thought, but I've actually started a lot of things and then stopped because I didn't enjoy them. And I'm fine with that. Because I tried, I didn't like it. And I made another decision to stop and move on and never give it a moment's thought. But she was sort of insinuating that I was flaky. Mm. You know, I mean, what for whatever reason, she was trying to put me down in some way. But I remember being really offended. And I just thought, why do you care <laughs> that I start and stop things like, and then and what I as I reflected on this, I thought, she doesn't ever do anything new. Ah, She's a very yeah. safe person, you know, not a risk taker, yes. um, I would say. And I wondered if in some way I annoyed her because I tried new stuff. Yeah, that's really, that's actually really interesting because it's so mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah. People, again, it's their projection, their fear is projected on you, right? Like I feel it's like I held a mirror up to her yes. of what she wasn't doing. Yes. And it, I was upsetting her. Um, but, I, you know, she she was getting upset by watching me do stuff. But instead of feeling, you know, what she wasn't doing, she decided to turn it on me and be annoyed by me. Your, hi- you know, like your, when people, your strengths on. highlighted her weaknesses. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I think. You know, like when people say they hate social media because they can't work it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like that. Yeah, I hate it. Oh, it's awful. It's ruining people's lives. And I think mm, no, it's ruining it's your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I look at it like that. But it's funny because this story sticks with me because it really upset me at the time. Yeah, I just remember thinking how like why would you say what a weird thing to say (laughs) I remember um and this goes to when like somebody says something like that to you right like I remember going from a commission salon into my suite and around in my area suites weren't really big yet like there was Mm -hmm. there was like one in the area and it was like 30 minutes from where I had worked my whole career it's obviously a very small room it was like 100 square feet maybe 110 um and I remember my mom saying to me, what if no one goes out there? What if it's too small? Like literally like all the (laughs) fears that she had for me. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying to her, mom, 
you're not saying anything that I haven't said to myself 27 times in my head. And I mm-hmm. finally just said, I'm going to succeed. Please <laughs> yeah. stop. And, and that was yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. and it was like that moment that I was like, I stopped thinking those things myself because like I found confidence in what I was doing and I wasn't Mm -hmm. letting her kind of penetrate back into my head, you know, and, and it was almost that moment that I decided like I can take risks and kind of fuck everyone else. That doesn't mean that the thoughts still don't come back in my head. It just means that I do it anyway. Yes. All of that. And I think everyone has a, a risk capacity of what they can tolerate you know and what's important to them and for some people security is more important than anything Mm -hmm. Uh, what I've learned about myself is I like novelty I like change I like variety I like all that stuff you know and it's it took me a long time to realize that what my friend actually said to me was I took it as a compliment in the end yeah you're always doing something different I was like I know it's brilliant yeah and I love (laughs) it at the time but that's what I think now I just think I'm interested in a lot of things and I try them on and I don't always carry on because it's not for me yeah and that can go with behind the chair that can go with your schedule then go with who you're serving it can go with so many things like if something just isn't serving you anymore, like you can change it. Like you can, mm-hmm. like maybe you'll have like a low, not even a low point, but you know, maybe you have to make a little bit of a sacrifice. Maybe you'll make a little less money because you decide, yeah. you know, that you're not going to work Saturdays anymore. Okay. Yeah. That's a little well, bit of a say, It's time or money. You have to give up time or money. Yes. Uh, and I've done both. Yeah. I've done that thing where I've done six days a week because I was running two businesses when I started the resilient hairdresser. I did that. And then as my health started to decline, I gave up money instead of time. Yeah. Because I couldn't physically do six days of work anymore. Um, and so I've done both. And I think both are valid. And Wh- I think that they're works. important. It goes back to what I always say about, you know, short-term sacrifice for the long-term win. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you have to take that little risk or that little sh- like uncomfortable period of time because mm-hmm. in the end you'll be so much happier. So even going to wanting to take a Saturday off, right? Okay, maybe you're going to lose a little bit of money. Maybe you're going to make a couple of people un- unhappy. Maybe you're going to have to have a couple of hard conversations. But I promise you, when you are sitting at home with your family, <laughs> or going yeah. out to brunch with your friends, you don't give a shit about oh. that stuff. Like, so it's like- Saturdays a, off never exactly. <laughs> And the clients that want to come in during the week and then you end up raising your prices. Like you end up making more in the long run anyway. So it's like a short-term thing that's a little mm-hmm. uncomfortable yeah. for the long-term of now you have weekends forever. Like I'm just using that as an yeah. example. But well, what I've noticed is- um, Often when clients come to me for coaching, they come because they're at a crossroads for whatever reason. And they want to make a decision. Sometimes they're looking for me to give them permission. Mm. You know, they just want someone to agree. But sometimes it's that they cannot, I think this is the crux of the problem. They can't tolerate short-term struggle for long-term gain. It's too hard. It feels terrifying, you know, just terrifying. Um, people, I have clients who do things like this. They have a lot of clients who come often for say blow dries and root tints, you know, stuff that turns over very fast, weekly, fortnightly, every month clients, but they enjoy doing bigger services, you know, that people come back every three months, but they're struggling to get their books to work or someone they're scared to take a holiday because they have clients that come weekly. 
so they've never had a holiday. And I'm just they're like, scared to have that conversation. Scared to have the conversation, scares the clients will leave. And I'm just like, wow, what a massive sacrifice. Yeah. And if you have a client that. that's going to leave you because you want to rest for one week out of a year, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck them. These are not dream clients. No. But I don't know. People seem, what I notice is people have, uh, it all comes down to security, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's security is often perceived. You know, sometimes it's real. The, the thing that unhinges me the most is security problems. I'm single and self-employed. You've seen me melt down. You know, I feel vulnerable sometimes because I'm like, no one else is bringing a wage in. And, you know, I'm self-employed. What if nobody comes? And I can really have a meltdown about that, even with savings. But then sometimes I'm just like, fuck it, it'll be all right. I'm going to spend a grand on a course and do this. And the money never changes, but it's my head. Absolutely. I can relate to that. I mean, I, I do have a second, my husband's income Mm -hmm. that we live off of, you know, for the most part during my transition. Um, but I still went through that mess. I still, because I've worked since I was 16 years old in one way or another, Mm -hmm. I brought in a paycheck or some type of money since I was 16 years old. And when Mm -hmm. I stopped doing behind the chair in September, I didn't have a guaranteed income with coaching. It was new you know, and you just don't know. And there was, I think a month or two where I didn't make a dollar, not a dollar. Did you feel um, like you were losing your independence? Like, was there a part of you that didn't want to rely on your husband? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now he, luckily I, my husband is extremely supportive, like extreme, like when I would get in those, that mindset, he would be the one that would be like, Misty, we're fine. And I would also get in that scarcity mindset. Like, yes, we had Mm -hmm. a savings, like we save that specifically to do this thing, but mm-hmm. I never wanted to touch it. Like in my mind, yes. once I start touching it, that means I'm like, that's bad, you know? And, mm-hmm. but that was the mindset that screwed me. And I didn't mm-hmm. make money for that couple of months because I was in that mindset and I was in that scarcity place. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like, I felt like I was, my vibe that I was letting off was um, uh, desperate. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then Mm -hmm. it literally, I don't even remember what happened. I don't remember what happened. And all of a sudden I was like, we're fine. We're fucking fine. Like worst comes to worst. Like I always go worst case scenario, which my my coach doesn't do that and tells me not to, but I like it. Like it makes me better. Like like my my worst (laughs) case scenario is like one, I go back behind the chair. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not a big deal. I mean, like Mm -hmm. full-time, you know, second worst case scenario, God for, I mean, this is like literally the worst, like we would sell our house (laughs) and get another house, (laughs) like a smaller, like, but we would never let it get to that point. You know what I mean? So it's like, when I thought about it like that, I was like, Misty, chill the fuck out. Like you have the savings Mm -hmm. for a reason. You are taking a risk for a reason. You knew you were taking this risk. And in the Mm -hmm. end, it is going to be so fucking worth it and all of that I feel that way already like it has been so oh my god me too every day I'm grateful like I wake up and I'm so smug because I feel so happy you know and I was well the thing is I suppose like mine and yours is different isn't it mine was well I'm gonna say mine was forced on me which is true and we'll we'll tell the people about that in a minute but I was gonna say yours was you chose yours 
But it was kind of forced on you because of the pandemic, wasn't it? In the schooling. A little bit. I mean, we could have put him somewhere. Like, like yeah. I almost used um, him going virtual as my excuse, even though I didn't need okay. an excuse. But it was oh, okay. kind of my, in a way, it was my excuse to my clients. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I knew when I quit, I didn't know if it was forever. Because prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic, my dream was educate and work behind the chair two days a week. That was what yeah. I wanted. And yeah. then, and then, mine. yeah. So in my mind, I was like, you know what? He's going to be virtual. I'm just going to say, fuck it. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to be able to go all in on this coaching thing, learn all the things, do all the things, you know, and then I can reassess later. And mm-hmm. um, it was kind of, to my clients, it was like, that was kind of the excuse. Well, Declan's going to be home. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay home. Yeah. And she had no choice. It's right. Us. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily say that. Like, it was very much like I'm going all in on this business and my son's going to be home the yeah. end. Um, but, uh, in my mind, I was like, again, worst case scenario, I get a fresh start with 17 years experience in my mind. All of that. And let me tell All you of that. I text like five people and I'm booked until like mid August. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've done it about three times. (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's again, I got, I get, I think what I've learned through this process is like, I get to decide how I want my life to look like. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that includes risk. Sometimes it includes a financial risk. I mean, Mm -hmm. I signed up for high powered Academy with no income. I mean, yeah. and for anyone listening, that is like a $12,000 investment. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that was going to help me. Yeah. And I took that risk. Yeah. And, and I didn't, do you remember? Because we talked about it. Yeah. That was a risk I said no to. Yeah. And that's okay. And I was gutted. Yeah. But I, there was no way. Yeah. You know, I was just like, there was too much going on at the time. I remember I'd literally just... Uh, was coaching full time and it felt crazy yeah because for me it got it was like overnight I had to stop uh, and I planned to go full-time coaching in two years yeah. you know yeah and I, my, my, my timeline was, so was five my timeline yeah. was five and I just it's said, so okay. funny actually isn't it because I think from when we met and then all of a sudden both of us weren't hairdressing very quick for sort of different reasons and yeah. then you know you've taken some risks I haven't taken I've probably taken a couple you've not taken but we're on a similar journey, but we're doing different stuff. And it's, you know, that was too risky for me was the point. It just felt too risky. Which is okay. Because again, like you said, and I'm happy with it. I'm still happy with the decision. And it's a security comfort level, right? Gotcha. And that's the thing. It was, it put too much pressure on me more than I could tolerate. Right. And for me, it put the good pressure on me. You have to make something work because now you have to pay this thing. Yeah. You know, so it was almost mm. like, because honestly, when he was at home virtual learning, I was in a really, probably the darkest place of my life ever. Mm-hmm. I had no income for the first time since I was 16. I was building yeah. a business that I thought was going to be easier than it is. Cause if you're listening <laughs> and you want to be an educator, that shit is fucking hard. Um, hard. You don't just post on Instagram and people buy your shit. Like, <laughs> um, and it was a really, really dark, time. And I think if I almost didn't have that thing I had to pay per month, Mm -hmm. I almost think I just would have crawled in my bed and cried every day. 
Yeah. You know, so, so for me, it was like the risk was worth it because it kept me motivated and it helped me a shit ton, of course. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I think, but that's the different, like everyone's risk level is different. Everyone, you know, the amount of, you know, some people, they have a really hard time just taking one day off. You know, some people and I, will take off I two speak, weeks. I coach those people it. every day. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because I suppose the reason I didn't take it was because I was, it already felt like a risk. Yeah. Because I had to pay the bills. Right. You know, and that was for me, I was like, I've already got to make that. And that felt like pressure and enough of a motivation for me not to go to bed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and it's something perfect- else. And for me, it was on the top. Right. And that's why I said no. And I'm okay with that. I really yeah, am. Exactly. It's, it's goes back to um, being, being like who you want to, like, you know what I mean? Like following the path yeah. that you want to follow. Like, well, exactly. But it's interesting because all my friends were doing it. You know, we'd been on this coaching course together from what I could gather, everyone was going doing the next one. And it felt like only me wasn't doing it. And I was a bit, I had FOMO, you know, I was like, mm. let's go. This- but I had to make a grown up decision. Well, let's go this, this direction, because I deal with this with teaching about money is, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a goal in mind and you almost get this peer pressure, like say, for example, you are trying to pay off your debt and you have this specific mm-hmm. amount and your friend calls you and says, Hey, let's do a weekend away. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you can't like you want to, yeah. but financially, like you really shouldn't. And it's, it's going to be goal. You know, it that is the that are the make or break moments in your life, right? Like those mm-hmm. are the moments when you're like, okay, what do I want more? Do I want the short term yeah. feeling? You know, and the peer pressure yeah. part makes it so much harder because then it gets back into the people pleasing. What are mm-hmm. my friends gonna think about me if I don't yeah. do this? Am oh, I not yeah. gonna be a part of this this um group anymore if I don't mm-hmm. sign up, which you know is not true. I mean, we zoom yeah. all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's an interesting um short-term sacrifice is hard. It's really hard. I paid my debts off before I met you, but you know, like what you teach, I did. Uh, and it's hard, you know, and it's, it's funny when I listen to your posts and stuff, you're speaking to me a few years ago, but I said no to holidays and weekends away and new clothes for a couple of years. But let me um, ask you, and now do I you, don't have to. Do you wish you would have done those things instead of pay off your debt? <laughs> Never exactly honestly like the things I'm most smug about is paying off my debts and um coaching full-time like I'm thrilled every day that those things are my life confidence confidence is built on accomplishments like I say that all the time because that right there what you just said what I like Mm -hmm. that is where the confidence comes from like if I would have never went on that debt journey I would have never went on so many other journeys that has taught me so much like I wouldn't be sitting here right now no well interestingly I was I wasn't I wasn't crap with money I was um spoiled I would say Mm. because my parents bailed me out a lot Mm. and I think they they, a couple of times they bailed me out and then when things got sort of when I got a mortgage and stuff it got a bit worse and they just didn't bail me out and I couldn't believe it if I'm honest I was a bit like what is happening here and I thought they'll cave they'll pay it off and they just didn't and I think my mum had decided 
I was never going to learn. Yeah. And so I eventually thought, yeah, I, I did. I had, I'd made a decision. I was going to source it and I knew what I was going to do, but I kind of in the back of my mind, hope that they would just intervene, but they didn't. So, cause that makes me sound way more bratty than I was. That's but then I just thought, oh, they're really not going to do it. And I was horrified. And so I had to do it the grown up way and really pay it off. And I'll tell you what, I learned my lesson and I wouldn't have learned it if they'd have done it. And so I know that now. And my mom said, that's why she did it. And it's, sir, we can circle this back to that woman who said that you never stick with anything. Like how mad mm. were you that your parents weren't helping you out? Because it was something you were so used to. Yeah. And they forced you out of your comfort zone yeah. for the good of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's kind yeah. of similar, right? Like you just, I mean, when my friend said that to me, it really upset me, but what it, I had a really good look at it. And then I just thought to myself, I like that about me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've never really thought that I start a lot of things and put them down. And I do do a lot of new things. Um, but I've never really, just, just how I am, I'd never thought about it. I'm excitable and I like new stuff, you know. Um, but her take on it, it's quite offensive really in the end. But when I really thought about it, I thought, oh, I like that about me. I think I might have been in therapy that time. And I went on some course and this woman said to me, oh, I like novelty. And I just thought, oh, that's me. Yeah. I like novelty. Is that okay? Right. Oh, brilliant. And I think that was when I got okay with it. I was like, oh, it's okay to like novelty. Brilliant. And then when I was, I was doing a Tony Robbins course um, about a week or so ago, and he talked about some people have a need for variety. Yes. And I, I just thought, yeah, I do. Yeah. It's strong. Well, you said that you went in therapy and asked if that's okay. Like, do, do you think that's like a human, like that's our human like instinct is to like make a decision and then want to be accepted, right? Like, like. Yeah, I mean, I think if you dig deep, 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 deep under a lot of decisions, it comes down to will I be loved? You know, because will I be accepted is really will I be loved? You know, and so I think a lot of things come down to that. And some people will be like, you're nodding and the people don't know that. But some people would just be like, that's not true. And it's like, it is. <laughs> it is, folks. Deep down, we want to, be, you know, I mean, I think being accepted is another word for being loved. Being loved. And um, Jordan and I were talking this week and, and she said something too that, re that has stuck with me since that day is um, we just, we want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. it's loved and safe and you feel safe when people accept you, right? Like you feel safe when somebody- well, because it's like you're in the tribe and then so there's safety in numbers and all exactly. that stuff, you know, it's more dangerous on your own. Yeah. Um, all of that. But I think secure, I see, I call it like security issues are massive. They, they unhinge me. Uh, and I was explaining this to someone the other day and, I was, and they were going, oh, I've got security issues. And I was saying, yeah, security is lots of things. It's like roof over your head, your wages, your partner, your parents. You know, it's the things that make you feel safe. When they're in jeopardy, you feel nuts. It's very, yeah. it's very unsettling. Um, but then I think the other thing is love and acceptance, connection. And so I think they're different, but um, equally important. I think they underpin everything, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know? Since she has said that, I have, like, I've been in this deep dive lately of, like, who mm -hmm. am I and why? Like, like mm -hmm. who, what did I, 
you know, what did I go through when I was younger? Who raised mm -hmm. me? Why do I think the way I think because of these things? And when mm -hmm. she said that, it was interesting because I've realized this year through the work that I've been doing that mm -hmm. when I was younger, there was a lot of times that I felt unsafe. And, yeah. and I've always with the, whatever trauma that I went through, there was always this, well, my parents loved me. Like I've always mm -hmm. felt loved, but there was yeah. something that wasn't right. So you feel guilty talking bad because you always mm -hmm. had that love. But then I realized it's cause I never, I, there was so many times where I felt unsafe. Yeah. And Did then you I feel like the parent sometimes. Do what? Oh yeah. Did you feel like the parent. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think about how that affects me now and how I do things now. And I've mm -hmm. always been a control freak and not control. <laughs> like I need to control every little thing. I need to be in control of me. Like, I don't like anyone to control me because I, even, even if my husband and I are in the car together, I'm driving. Like if mm -hmm. I'm going to die in a car accident, I'm going to control where that yeah. car is going to go. Like, so like even yeah. things like that. Um, and when it comes to taking risks, I do the same thing. Like, well, yeah. I, this is my choice. I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. you know, for me, because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel safe, whatever. Um, and it's yeah. just really interesting. Like, again I always think I want to be mad at me if this goes wrong not anybody else same yes because I'll be furious yes and I'd rather that was aimed at me than somebody else <laughs> but in but in what situation are you going to have where somebody else is going to like in, I mean unless somebody like walks up and punches you in the face but like <laughs> but like you're in control of your reaction to anything right mm. so like really yeah like in, let's think worst case scenario, in what situation okay. would somebody else like take away? Like a business partner? Just in general. That's how I think. Okay, yeah. Is that what you mean? Like what would stress me out? Yeah, like-, like I would, would struggle with a business partner. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Because like, you wouldn't have all the control in the business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd have to tolerate their decisions and compromise and like, no, thank you. I don't fancy that. That sounds really hard. And I just think the opportunity for being angry for me is massive in that scenario, you know, but what's interesting is I like collaborating, you know, I collaborate, but I want the book to stop with me. Yes. I'm the same. But it's interesting. There's a theory that um, kids have to feel safe to play. Do you know about this? No. Right. So it's to do with attachment theory and whatnot. But so when kids are little, I can't remember what age, but like toddlers, if you know, when you go to like nursery, do you call it nursery? Yeah. Yeah. School. Um, daycare. group, you know, like daycare yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but when the mums are there, uh, you let's say when Declan was little, so you sit with the mums and then you tell him to go and play, but he will keep looking back to see if you're there. Mm, yeah okay so he wants to make sure you're safe but he if he was um a child that was struggling he wouldn't go and play because he'd be too scared that you wouldn't still be there when mm. when he came back yes interesting it so is trauma kids don't play and so what he does is he'll go away and play but then he'll come back and then he feels safe and then eventually he realizes that you don't go you're always going to be there. And that's how he feels safe in the world because you are consistent. And sometimes people don't feel safe because their parents weren't consistent. Amen. Yeah. I think that has a lot to that. do with it. I mean, there's a lot of uh -huh. other things too, like actual not safe, but that actual not safe stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, but also it can be stuff like my mom was quite sick when I was young. 
And so she could be inconsistent because she was poorly, not right. because she was drunk, because she was in the hospital. But all I know is that she's not there. Okay, so I've got something because this, <laughs> I have these like <laughs> epiphanies at night. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about childhood trauma and, mm-hmm. and you know, how something can happen when you're younger and then like mm-hmm. it affects you for the rest of your life. And I was thinking about dogs, <laughs> yeah. right? I was thinking about my dog. Yeah. Um, dogs are born with a litter of puppies. And then yeah. major- I would say what, 95% of them are taken away and given yeah. to another home. Yeah. Is that why they're so clingy? Like, like what kind of, like, like really? Like, yeah. are, like how much trauma do dogs feel that they were taken away from their moms and brothers and sisters? Like early in their life, like it really, I, it, my dog is super clingy. So it's like, now I just feel sad for him. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know much about dogs because I'm a cat person, but I know that- No, cats, cats don't give a shit. <laughs> cats don't give a shit. Like they give a shit up until a certain point and then they don't. Oh, feed them. That's all they care. Like, it's like 10, 12 weeks, something like that. And then they're like, okay, kids, fend for yourselves. Yeah. Mommy doesn't care anymore. Exactly. And so I wonder if there is something similar with dogs. Yeah, I don't know. I just had this like weird epiphany. Um, yeah, and it was, I was just like, well, I mean, oh. I think dogs are just so. I just feel like sad every time I think about dogs, because like you're their world. Yeah, you're like they look at you like they just love you to bits. I love watching dogs walking down the street with their owner when they keep looking at their owner to say, yep. "Am I doing it right? Are you pleased? Yep. Are you happy with me?" Oh, they're the epitome of people pleasers. They're cry. like dogs, like hairdressers. <laughs> Yeah. are you okay won't you like it are you sure, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. send your friends uh, my cats are just like whatever yeah don't give a shit I'm pretty sure ours <laughs> is trying to kill us so <laughs> but yeah it's, no, it's super interesting and I hope that people that are listening um if you don't you know it took me a long time to really do the internal work mm-hmm. and um I highly recommend it because like I even, I'm even to a point now where it's very rare when I dislike somebody because if they're assholes or something happens, like I always think what happened in their life, you know what I mean? Like, I, I really think like, like they were just children that something happened to them, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it, it almost, it makes me sad, you know? Yeah, it depends how awful they're being to me. But in general, I mean, I still I, like really want to punch people a lot of times. But like, yeah, <laughs> I usually just think, oh, they must be really unhappy. Yes. Or I think why? something's, you know, uh, traumatic's happened to them. Yeah. You know, but I when people are kind of mean, I do feel bad for them. I do because I yeah. feel like, I feel like there's something. There's so much more going on. You know. Mm-hmm. And like, it's funny because even down to, um, I realized recently as well, like over explaining, right. So I'm big about, I try and tell, like, you don't need to over explain, you know, because it, it pushes your confidence down. Like you can Mm -hmm. go from saying, you know, I'm raising my prices. Okay. Have a great day. Or you can be like, I'm raising my prices because I like have a, but you know, like I, I my, put the price of color up in the pandemic twice yeah. and, um, right. you know, foil's expensive and I haven't put the price up in 10 years. It automatically <laughs> brings the confidence down. And mm-hmm. I realize in a lot of times in my life, I will over explain because of insecurities. 
Yeah. You know? And do you think also it's because you want people to like you? Oh, for sure. That's a big one for me. I also think something, because I'm thinking about something specific here. I also think it's a bit like asking for permission when you over explain. You want someone to say, it's okay, Misty, don't worry. Yes, exactly. Because I've been, I talk with this with one of my clients quite a lot because she she doesn't do it, but she talks about wanting to do it, which is what I call put passive aggressive messages on Facebook or her Instagram. Oh. You know, where it's, and I see it seems to be a big thing at the minute in the UK. I keep seeing them and they make me cringe and feel sad at the same time. Like sitting here, people, have a no show, just a reminder, like show up for that your appointment. sort of thing. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, like four stories long talking about raising your prices and why. Yes. A blog on your, a blog on your website, you know, and someone sent one to me the other day and it was someone had put it in a Facebook group and they sent it to me just because they knew I'd hate it. And I just, I felt, I actually felt like I wanted to cry for the person that had written it because I thought, what must your clients be like that you wrote this or how insecure are you in your business that you wrote this? But it was such an over explanation into why they were putting the prices up. I just felt sad, but I also think it's passive aggressive. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the time, particularly my client, it makes me laugh. I mean, we laugh about it now because because I'll, I'll give her this look and she goes oh am I doing it again am I being passive aggressive I'm like yes it she wants her clients to change mm-hmm. out of the kindness of their heart because she doesn't want to put a boundary in and you so can't put expectations like, yeah. on other people that that was huge for me internally too like you can't mm-hmm. expect other people to do what you want to do one and you've not even asked them they don't that's even what I was about to say unless you actually have yeah. the conversation and when you post online like that you one you're well you're doing a couple different things you're not having the conversation with the person or people that made you feel that that you needed to explain yourself to they're not reading it or the people that you don't need to say that to and are great are thinking it's about them and they did something wrong well, it's exactly like when a teacher tells off the whole class instead of the one naughty kid and the only one that was listening is the over-conscientious kid who then goes home and cries and has a panic attack. Yeah. Because they presume it's about them. And right. that's what happens with your client. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. But so often I see these passive-aggressive messages. But dressed up as over Well, it's this. When you over-explain, it's like you're asking for permission like this client has a choice and yeah. they don't you're putting your prices up so when you over explain you might be leading your clients to believe that they can say oh I don't really like that right <laughs> and right. then what you're going to say you know you just give them a straight fact with a smile yes over explaining it is it's like asking for permission it is. Well, and, and going back to what you said about people wanting people to like you, like that's a really hard one in general. Uh, Cause I, I'm a pretty confident person for the most part. Like mm-hmm. I know who I am, but yeah. like, I struggle with that still. Um, mm-hmm. and in what sort of scenarios do you think? I just always think like I've, my limiting belief is that like, I'm boring. Like I'm just this basic girl. Like I'm not exciting. <laughs> And like, I'm not like a fun, like, I don't know, like, like I, I'm not the go-to for people. Right. Like I'm, cause I'm just kind of blah, like that, like, right. It's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. It's a little, I'm laughing my head off because I live like the other side of the ocean and you know, I'm like excited. I've got a zoom with this, with you. And I'm like, 
it's what making that outfit for some basic boring girl but but I know <laughs> that it's bullshit I know that yeah. but I still feel that way like I still get so surprised when somebody sends somebody that I don't know sends me a message about how much they love this podcast like it still is like yeah. really like people are right. actually oh listening like like but I'm yeah. confident enough to keep doing it even though I feel that yeah. way and I know mm-hmm. eventually that feeling will fade in one way or another I guess but I mean, 17 years behind the chair, I still had mistakes where I felt like I was like the worst hairstylist ever. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, I remember having a conversation with someone on my five questions about this. I can't remember who now, but I remember we talked about how this keeps you humble as well. Mm-hmm. You know, not yeah. thinking that you're the shit. It's not a bad place to come from. Yeah. And you're not crippled with anxiety and worried about people liking you. Well, it's funny because... Um, like on this podcast, I'm the most vulnerable. Like I mm-hmm. enjoy, I think it's, I like connection. So for me, yeah. I'm looking at you, we're speaking. I get mm-hmm. nervous on um, Instagram. Like I'm fairly vulnerable, but like there's certain things that like, it's almost like, okay, for example, we were just talking about me growing up. That's mm-hmm. probably something I wouldn't post on Instagram because I would worry about my mom seeing it or like, yeah. you know what I mean? And then like, mm-hmm. like, I don't even know if it's not being liked. I don't know. I think it's this idea that I don't want somebody to perceive me as somebody that I'm not. I think that's what it is. And well, you know, I think what's interesting about that is if someone only hears one bit and doesn't know all of you, they could make a presumption based on like one thing they heard. Is it that? Probably. That's a bit like when you're famous and you're taken out of context, isn't it? You know, but it's that thing. And I mean, not that me or you were famous, but we do put ourselves out there, which means people get to have opinions. Yep, exactly. And that's something that you um, have to deal with, so but it's like, that... I still struggle with it, you know? Yeah, people are going to make presumptions about me. I get that. I'll really yeah. get on some people's nerves. <laughs> you know when you like meet some somebody? Some people will like me and that'll be that. You know when you meet somebody for the first time and then like later mm-hmm. you're like, I shouldn't have said that. They probably think I'm stupid. Like, you know what I mean? It's like this weird yeah. insecurity that like mm-hmm. I'm not liked. And then I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it and then I'm like, you know what? Like, I didn't really enjoy that conversation that much anyway. Like, I don't, maybe I didn't like them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's just interesting. Strange. I think about this, um, I presume it was a podcast I was listening to, but with, um, you know, Brené Brown. Mm, yes. Yeah. And she was talking with one, it must have been a podcast. She was talking with some other very smart woman and they were talking about how, you know, you have to earn her story. She was saying like, she basically was saying everything she talks about in the public realm is well sorted. You know, it's, it's not um, raw when she's talking about it. Like it's already been dealt with mentally. It's been dealt with. Uh, And she said, that's the difference between, um doing that and talking about something you're actually going through because you could call that we'd say airing your dirty laundry (laughs) like that or also um just making yourself too vulnerable to a point that's not safe when you you know when you're in the middle of it because you can say funny things when you're in the middle of things because you change your mind every hour right and that's, you know actually, I mean? that's super true because t- there's also, yes. Be- and you're trying to find validation. So like yeah. you're, you're airing your dirty laundry because you want somebody to be like. Someone to agree with you. So it kind of circles uh, back around uh, what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> all of that. But you know, it's, 
you know, the, well, the thing is, the more self-improvement or more awareness and or anything that you do, you start to realise it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why this stuff is hard because it all links into something else. And that's why things get big and overwhelming. But I thought she was so interesting when she said, you know, um, only certain people earn the right to hear her story. Yeah. And I just thought that's so true because... Um, well, we had a word for it when I was training to be a therapist. I think we used to call it greenhousing or something. But it was people who used to tell you every feeling they're having all the time and every little struggle that they're having constantly, that's how they communicate. And it's not, they think that they're authentic, but it's not. It's, it makes them quite vulnerable, but also it's not that authentic. It's a bit, well, it's a bit weird. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I've known a couple of people like that. Um, but I just think it's wiser to talk about the stuff that you've got more perspective on if you want to add value for other people. Yeah. Because then you tell them what you've learned as opposed to it, it's more scandalous in the moment. Yes, I like There's that. There's no lesson yet. Right. And you think you about learn it yet. You think about when you air your dirty laundry, you see somebody do it and then you look in the comments and they're like arguing with people in the comments. And that's like a perfect yeah. example. Like if you, if you're putting your story out there that you've already dealt with, it doesn't matter what people say. You've been through mm. all those things. Like, you know yeah. how to respond, but if you are doing it in the moment, then yeah. there could be this like animosity or like, why are you saying that? Like, yes, that's, oh, and you're, you've got way more, you've got way more chance of coming away feeling bad yes when you share and so what she was saying and it really struck me at the time and I think about it so much was be really careful when you're sharing your story and your stuff yeah and so I think there's something smart about you not sharing on your well you think your mum might hear it because it's out of context maybe for your mum well right you well know, my she mom, might well she might mom, be sad my mom's in a good something. place we, we I would never like yeah, she even if she listened to this, like we're me and her are in a good place now. Um, but there yeah, are there I don't really times... mean that. I sort of meant that she might think that you talk about that all the time or right. Which is and if that was something that someone. I would do, it would probably be something I would chat with her about ahead of time. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm sure but, you um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, this is I just want to say I'm kind of changing the subject. This conversation right here is what I want my podcast to be like all the time. Like, well, I'll just come every week. I'm serious. I'll, I'll like I, I'm literally thinking like this is going to, I might move this up. This might be the first <laughs> of the new season. Cause. Oh, exciting. I'll be the uh, opening acts. I think so. This, this vulnerability and like these conversations are what mm -hmm. I want people that are in their car listening to go. I feel that mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, or, oh my God, like, like I want people to, to relate Mm -hmm. You know, you hear all the time, like you listen to a podcast, I have the podcast has to bring value, has to bring value, but relatability mm -hmm. is to has so much value to it. Oh, so, so much. I've got two things to say about this. Uh, number one, I listen to your podcast all the time, not necessarily on the, in the right timeline, because sometimes <laughs> I message you and say that was amazing. And it's like three months old, That's okay. but I do listen to them all. And uh, I like it because I feel like I'm listening in on a conversation. Yes. And I love that. It's more interesting. And then, uh, oh, God knows what my second point was at all. I have no idea what point <laughs> it was. <laughs> okay. I don't know in the slightest. There yeah. must have been some point to it. 
Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I, I, well, you know, I am um, talking about the vulnerability thing. I, you know, I do the five questions mm-hmm. and I ask, well, for anyone listening, I ask different hairdressers every week, the same five questions. And they're all about burnout and um, what you learn the hard way and stuff like that. And it was really interesting because um, a girl I really love, Harriet Stokes. Do you guys know Harriet Stokes? That doesn't sound familiar. In America, yeah, she will be. She's delightful. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll tell you who knows her, um, Ali. Okay. She was like excited yeah. that she was on. She messaged me going, oh my God. Anyway, she was talking about burnout, but she had a really bad burnout episode at the beginning of the pandemic. And she said, it's a good job. She said, it's better to talk about it now I'm over it. And I was going, oh, of course. And she, she actually said she felt a bit, bad about that you know she was sort of saying I should have talked about it when it was happening maybe it would have been helpful and I was going oh love don't feel bad about that you looked after yourself you're very smart to do it now because now you can tell people how you got over it yeah you know and I love that and I just think you know relatability that's where I was going (laughs) this is where I was going yeah on the five questions, I get endless messages of people going, I relate to everything you guys were talking about in that chat. That's yeah. what happens every week. And that's what I like, just a chat. I mean, mine has a structure because it's the same questions, but the chat goes all over the show. And relatability is what I was going for because I wanted to ask lots of different hairdressers and some big names, what they str- how they've struggled and how they've got over it. And I, what I want that to do is show your everyday hairdresser that even if you're in quotes a bit fancy you still can get burnt out and anxious and stressed about a haircut it's it's normal yeah and I want people to feel better about themselves because of that well that's the thing you know the more you talk to stylists the more all the same issues come up for stylists like like you're like you feel like you're alone but you're not like you can literally walk into it's one thing when you're in a salon where you see the same people every day, cause you know, you all feel the same, but when you walk into like yeah. another salon and you start talking to other stylists and you're like, Oh shit, like, mm-hmm. wait, they feel the same too. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. me. And I think that that is so important because that's what changed my life. Like it wasn't until I went and, and started branching out and meeting people mm-hmm. outside of my world and mm-hmm. realized that we're all very similar in various yeah, ways. Yeah that, that I started changing my life because it's like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not unique. You know, I'm, I mean, I am to a certain extent, people like me. (laughs) Um, You are special. Yeah, I'm special. Um, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't until then that it was like, okay, like this person feels the same, but they're, they're change, they're doing something about it. I can do something yeah. about it or, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that, um, yeah, that's, that's what I want for this. That's like, well, the first time I learned that lesson was in group therapy, mm. which is funny, you know, because I saw a therapist, I started seeing a therapist when I was like, Oh God, I don't even know now. Let's say 28, something like that. 28 and 46 now. And, um, right. yeah, about 28. Mm. Anyway, whatever about that age. And, I saw her for a couple of years and I started feeling pretty good. And then I was going to leave and she said, why don't you join this therapy group? And I remember thinking, oh, that'll be so good. I'll get to hear everybody else's stuff. That's why I joined. But actually it turned out group therapy is the best thing that ever happened to me. I made more, 
I grew more as a person, learned more stuff and felt better about myself in the short time I was in the group therapy than I did in personal therapy for years. Because learning that everybody else feels the same ultimately was life-changing to me because I genuinely didn't know that. I thought I was especially strange and tortured. Yes. You know, I thought I was special in my sadness. Why is no that? One, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really like- you I know, should think about that. I've never thought about it. I think this actually- But I everybody think I thinks it. Yes. And I think I know why. So yesterday when I was, um, we were, I was recording with Crystal and we were talking about like, we were talking about people thinking about you, right? Like people don't think about you as much as you think they think about you. Yeah. I had this conversation yesterday as well. (laughs) And I think that it's, it goes to that, right? Like we think that we're so unique and we're so special and we're Mm -hmm. the best. Like, even if we don't think we're the best, like we are, Mm -hmm. we are the center of our universe. Mm -hmm. So nobody else can think like us. When yeah, I'm the star true. of my show. Yeah, like it's not true. Like, like mm-hmm. the person next to you is probably having the same exact thoughts. And it's like, we're just narcissistic humans, like natural, like it's just. Yeah, my therapist was telling me once upon a time that there's a healthy level of narcissism. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to have some, otherwise you would be walked over. Right. Because it tips into the people pleasing and the uh, codependency stuff, you know, where you're overgiving and you understand you only know how you feel about yourself based on what other people think about you yeah so we need a healthy level of narcissism and some people need a bit more yeah you know they need to think about themselves a bit more they need to work on their narcissism well we hear narcissism Uh, and we think it's bad isn't it yeah like it's a negative word and yeah I've known very narcissistic people that that I would say are not great people um, yeah, they could give a bit away. They could. They need a bit less. But some people need to work on having a bit more um, thoughts, selfishness. Yeah, in a positive way. Yeah, selfish. That's fascinating, that isn't it? It is. That's selfish seems like a bad word, but it's more like maybe it's just self-respect. Yes, the word that we want. I like that. But most. I know it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think. I'm trying to remember the conversation with my lovely therapist about this. I, don't, I think, I think she said I needed a bit more. I what narcissism? I was talking, yeah, I needed a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think I'm I'm coming up with a healthy balance at this point. Yeah, I do what's good for me, but I also yeah. have a son and a husband, and yeah, yeah, you know, and I have to do what's yeah. good for them too because I don't want to repeat. Of course, childhood, you know, you tra- childhood traumatic patterns, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true, so. but I think I lean towards like a codependent personality, mm. um, and so I have to keep that in check. Yeah, mm-hmm. very interesting. Look, we're therapy. Oh. We're therapying each other. Is that a word? We're therapying each other. <laughs> it's really interesting to know about myself once I figured that out, though. It explained a lot. Do you feel you like know. there's ever a point when you stop learning about yourself? Because I always think I know myself really good. I not. Yeah, like I always think I know myself really well. And then like, I'll like read something or there'll be like one sentence of something. And I'm like, what? Like, and it's like blown. this epiphany. <laughs> and it seems so yeah. simple. Like, how did I not think mm. about it like that? Um, mm-hmm. But it's a- Well, con- I think this, I think that we're always changing. So there's always going to be new stuff to learn. Yes. You know, there's that. But then sometimes someone just phrases it the right way, don't they? 
Yes, I think that's you know, and, and and also sometimes you're just ready to hear certain things. That's the key. I think that's it. You like know, you can't because, deal with this issue until you've dealt with this other issue. Like you're never going to. Yeah, it's like I can't listen. even listen to that because I'm too busy worrying about this. Like, have you seen uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? No. I'm drawing a triangle with my finger, people. Mist is shaking her head. <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a really interesting theory, and it's like a pyramid. And it, I was going to—I was thinking about it before. You know, when we were talking about um, safety and connection, or mm-hmm. safety and love, or whatever. Uh, on the very bottom, so it, this is about if you haven't got this section in order, you can't do anything above it. Does that make sense? Am I yes. explaining as well? Yeah. Okay. So imagine a pyramid, and it's got little sections. Right, so off the top of my head, I've not been in therapy school for a long time. The bottom one is things like shelter, food, a roof, oh, yeah, a roof over your head, water, sleep. Right, necessities. Hum- basic human needs. Okay, they're on the bottom. Now, if you've not got them, you can't even move up to the next one. So let's think about the pandemic. Some people's basic human needs were threatened. Their shelter was threatened. They were losing their houses. Your, your work would be in there, like, you know, your income. Right. That would be in that bottom one. So when that gets threatened, nothing above it's possible. So right. things like love and connection gets harder. Yeah. I don't feel like making new friends when I'm about to lose my house. I haven't got the brain space to have a chat. You know, your relationship might suffer because people can become an island under stress. Yeah. You know? So sometimes couples will work together, but sometimes not, you know, people can uh, go into their own little bubble of looking at, you know, get selfishly um, survival, survivalist. Does that yeah. make sense? Anyway, <laughs> so you've got that. Then your next one is our next human need is connections and belonging. So that's what we were talking about earlier, you know, when you had that conversation with Jordan around, is it validation? We want to be loved. We want to belong in a gang because it feels good. And that's what's next. Now I'm struggling to remember what comes after this, but it's things like uh, reaching your potential. Um, And like appreciation of art is in there, appreciation of beauty. And this really made me laugh this one because it's just like, you know, sometimes people just think art's bullshit, but you know, if you've got really big life problems, you just don't give a fuck about art, do you? You know, it's just like, why aren't we putting that money into cancer care? Why are people spending all that money on a statue? It should go into cancer care. And it's like, of course you feel like that when your life's in crisis. But then also, why do you want to be alive without art and music and stuff? What's the point? We're alive for those things. We're not alive for the basics. And then at the very top, I can't remember what it is now, but it's something like spirituality. You know, it's something really like, I don't know, lovely. Uh, It's like enlightenment or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I've seen this in the pandemic so clearly where I wasn't much fun for a bit because Mm. I was really worried I might lose my house. Right. And varying things like that. And this has happened to everyone. And it's interesting. We need to find it. I'll find it and send it to you. And everyone who's listening, Google it. What's it called again? The will explain it better. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's fascinating, really, because it makes you understand why you can't do everything if you haven't got the basics in place. And I think this ties really well into what you teach. 
because you know what you teach is on the bottom level I teach the foundation you teach the foundation so do I yeah it's that bottom level of you know sanity because if people don't have the basics which is what you teach they come to me because they feel they're struggling yeah and we teach the basics but sometimes people are like oh whatever I don't need the basics I want the next more I want the sexy stuff exactly need the basics yes it's, it's the so famous hairdressing though isn't it it's so Learn well if your foundation is shaky the house is falling down like all of that like I think it's really interesting because of course like I love seeing all this education that's out there and making more money mm-hmm. and doing blah, blah, blah. But like, if you don't know what to do with it or like you, you know, fill your books, blah, blah, blah. Like you, you know, but if your yeah, mind yeah. isn't right and your books are mm-hmm. full, like you're yeah. going to burn out. Like if you make yeah. all this money and you don't know what to do with it, you're still going to feel yeah. just as broke as you do right now. Like, and if you feel guilty every day, cause you're not picking your kids up from school or they're spending a few hours in daycare or whatever you call it after school, that's just not a way to live. It's just not worth doing those clients. Is it's it? not you know? because one day your kid isn't going to want to hug you anymore. Like my six-year-old. And then, oh. and then you're going to wish that you spent more time. And I hear them. that story a lot though. I do. Yeah. I hear that sort of thing a lot. And I just think that's not worth it, is it? It's not. And, the, and what people need to realize. The basics are in a mess. And the foundation really doesn't take that long. Like in the scheme of life, in the scheme of things, it doesn't take that long to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not the most fun part of your life. It's not. I'm not even going to say that like paying off debt, it was like the highlight of my life, but it literally was. (laughs) But it will be when you've done it. It was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life mentally, Mm -hmm. physically, like Mm -hmm. the things I can do with my money, the tools that I've learned because of Mm -hmm. that, like hands down worth, for me, it took two years, you know, yeah. worth it. And those two yeah. years were not hard. First three months were hard. It took me about two years, I would say, yeah. to get it all in order. Yeah. But I would also say it's one of the things I'm most proud of. Same, same. You know, like, if people say, what are you proud of? A couple of things off the top of my head. And yeah. that's one of them. That That is hands down, besides my son. But I don't feel like, that's a weird one though. Like I'm, proud that I'm able to give him this life but yeah. I can't say I'm proud of him like he's his own person yeah does that make like I'm I'm not proud I don't hold the proudness yeah like you don't feel is. you don't feel like oh I did that you think right. he's a good person because he's a good person I I teach him to say he's proud of himself like I don't yeah. I really I read something a while back that says stop telling your kids you're proud of them because they're going to try their hardest to make you proud even if it's not what makes them happy you should tell them so to cool. say I'm proud of myself so mm. I tell him all the time like you should be proud of yourself mm-hmm. um and then I tell him all the time he should love himself more than anyone else so if you ask him mm. who do you love more than anyone he will say me and I love it like well, you see, there you do. You're working on that healthy narcissism. I'm trying. I'm trying. Like there's, God, there's, it there's needs a, to be there. It gets it's a bad rap. There's a level of confidence that needs to happen. You know, it's like. There, and I was just wondering, I'd love to speak to whoever wrote that article or read the article, because I wonder if once they, once that's instilled, mm-hmm. can you then start telling them you are, you're proud of them as well? I still tell them I'm proud of him, but I want him to make yeah. sure he's proud of himself first. Like I won't. Yeah. Like, I don't say like, well, mommy and daddy will be so proud of you if you do this. Like, oh, I will like say- Like a threat. 
Yeah, I will exactly <laughs> it's like, like it's I, rare, isn't it? Right. I will say, like, you would be so proud of yourself if you rolled that roller coaster or you know, whatever. Yeah. Or like we do something that that he's scared of, like, you know, yeah. how do you feel? Are you proud of yourself? Failing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I want mm-hmm. him. It's not that we don't tell him we're proud of him. I mean, yeah, probably you know, it, but I want him to understand that him being yeah. proud of himself is more important than mommy of and daddy course. being proud of him. Yeah, um, that's really good. Yeah, I try I like with them. I fucking try, man. <laughs> no, you do. It's hard. He's a good kid. I cannot complain. Um, he's quite the comedian, though. I think he's funny. He makes me laugh. He seems confident, I think, which is nice. I wish I had a um, hidden camera in my house for when he's really funny. <laughs> my husband laughs a lot. Like, my husband's really funny. Like, mm-hmm. like very, we, me and him both, very inappropriate humor. Like, <laughs> Um, but he's really funny. He's always been the funny guy. <laughs> We're going to bed the other night and he's still on the, my husband's still on the couch and Declan's walking down the hall and he goes, come on, chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we don't say that word. Like, like, I don't even know where he got that from. <laughs> and I was like on the floor dying laughing. So fun. Like he's just a funny kid, but it's anyway, it's like a 1950s Oh, Word, like, that, isn't it? it's, but it's funny because he is turning into a funny kid, but we yeah. are very adamant about teaching him comedic timing. So he said that we mm. laughed. So then he said chuckles 27 times. I'm like, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> you can only yes. use it once. <laughs> so we're you trying to teach him about deadpan. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're trying like you, like now that you said it 27 times, like, please stop. Like, it's, <laughs> um, but, but That's yeah. God um Haley this was awesome I know I just looked at the clock and I was like wow this was seriously we can talk yeah this is something we might need to do like once a month or something (laughs) I'm always in it's like I kind of forgot people are going to listen yeah just having a chat with you exactly that's perfect (laughs) so tell everyone where they can find you obviously Instagram at the resilient hairdresser Mainly Instagram, it's where I live, but I have a website that's very nice, which is just, you know, uh, the it just if you just put resilient hair just into Google, you'll find me, I'm fairly sure. Yeah. I think my my tech guy did a good job. You know what? Um, I have an idea. You just message Misty, she'll find you for me. Yes, I absolutely will. I think I send people to you all the time. Um, so I'm going to say this on air because, and I'll talk to you about it after we get off, if this is something you want to do, but if okay. you're listening and you have a topic that you want Haley and I to talk about, <laughs> send me a message and then I will figure out how we can make this happen and maybe make this a series of some sort. Um, Ooh. But me and like Haley will talk about that now. So if you're listening and you have something that maybe you want us to dive a little bit deeper into, um, please DM me or DM Haley, either one, mm-hmm. um, and let us know. So I feel for that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, Haley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I'm awake now. I was tired when I came, wasn't I? Yeah. And now I'm bouncing <laughs> off the walls. Right. <laughs> All right, Haley, have a good one. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you are looking to connect with more people like me, like Haley, I highly, highly, highly recommend you looking into Independent Beauty Pros. It is essentially a LinkedIn for independent beauty artists, not just hairstylists, makeup artists, estheticians, nail techs, all of the things. It is a virtual 
community. It is a great support system. Everyone in this community genuinely, truly supports community over competition. There is education, there are digital meetups, there are um, contracts uh, templates if you need them for various things in your business. There is a platform um, for social media planning, literally all of the things. I highly, highly recommend it. If it's something that you're interested in, if you're feeling a little alone in your business and you just need a little extra support from people who truly, truly want to see you win, then go to the link in my bio at on Instagram at underscore Misty Jane underscore and sign up for Independent Beauty Pros. You will not regret it. Again, if you love this episode, please screenshot it, post it on Instagram, tag it, share it with a friend, write a review, all of the things. Um, they all matter and they all help um, bring more awareness around this podcast. So once again, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk with you on the next one.